content warnings for this episode include, in the discussion about the film and Freddy's backstory, mentions of pedophilia and child molestation, and of course the typical normal discussions for most horror movies around murder and gore and all of those other things. to Horror Nerds at Church, a ridiculously queer podcast where we take a deep dive into a horror film and talk about how it connects to queerness, religion, and theology. My name is Pace Warfield May, and I am the absolutely dreamlike, trance-like acting <laughs> abilities of um, Heather Langenkamp throughout this entire film. And I'm Pastor Emily, and I am the stairs both that like suck your feet in and that catch fire in one spot at a time. <laughs> the controversial stairs. Love it. Uh, I'm Trent and I am the person that sucked Johnny Depp into his mattress. <laughs> yes. Kill him. <laughs> right. I... <laughs> I am a charade, and I am a student of the Freddy Krueger School of Insults and Hurt Feelings. I love Freddy it. Freddy <laughs> raised us all. Right, right. Welcome to prime time, bitch. <laughs> all of us. Um, yeah, so for our listeners at home, we have two awesome special guests, uh, both uh, the two co-hosts of Nightmare on Fear Street. Uh, Sheree is a writer, blurred, and podcaster. She's a writer at Dread Central, half of A Nightmare on Fear Street, half of Blurdy Massacre, and one-twelfth of the altar tapes. That's a lot of fractions. A third of Blurdy Massacre. Oh, I, a third of Blurdy Massacre. Thank you. That's a lot of fractions. I don't do math, so. I can't do math either, so they can never change. If people want to, like, quit and come, that's their own business. <laughs> Love it. And also we have with us Trent, who's a theater educator, artist, and podcaster. He's currently serving on the board of directors at for local nonprofit community theater, theater instructor at Independent Living Services, and half of A Nightmare on First Street. Thank you yeah. both for being here. Thanks for having us. Um, can you tell our listeners who might not have heard of y'all podcast uh, what, a little bit about what y'all do? Oh, yes. What do we do, Sheree? Uh, <laughs> we drink and have shenanigans, mostly. <laughs> we do. Um, we tackle horror through intersectional lenses, but we do it with humor because you have to laugh. Otherwise, yeah. you'll cry a lot. And that sounds like life. life. Right, right. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's a life lesson and a horror lesson. Yeah. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah, we always try to have fun with it. And, you know, we say this all the time that Horror is a genre that we love, even though sometimes mm. it doesn't love us. Um, so 
we uh, try to the positives, but recognize the the negatives and realize that we can love something that is flawed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That is a really healthy approach to everything in life, it feels like. Yes. You would think. um, We've had a few run-ins of people who feel differently. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But they're just not fierce <laughs> like us, so. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's a little bit about what we do over on Fear Street. Yeah. So come join us. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And I'm, as soon as, like, I, I've wanted, ever since I started this podcast, I wanted to cover Nightmare and Elm Street franchise because it is such an important franchise in pop culture, but also, like, within queer culture. And we'll get more into that in our episode on uh, Freddy's Revenge. But then also, um, just in my own life, it Freddie kind of like you said, Freddie raised us all. So, um, so yeah. So when I was thinking about the season, I was like, I have got to get a nightmare on Fear Street on here because your name is so, so perfect, like tied in with all of this legacy of Freddie, and so it's like so perfect. So <laughs> thank you, thank we have you. A call. I- Right? I like I, I'm always saying Wes Craven and Freddy Krueger are probably the reason why I'm the way I am. Um for better or for worse. I don't know how they would feel about it if you asked either of them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. That's awesome. Um I don't have any announcements. Do you have any announcements, Emily? I don't know that I have any announcements except Yeah, I guess it's too early technically to promo our pet and plant costume contest but i'm gonna do it anyway because i'm excited about yes. it i won our pet Go our pet it. plant contest last year with little basil shop of horrors uh, i was not a co-host at the time so i will not be participating this year but we're doing another one pets plants yeah. whatever you'd like welcome stuffed animals stuffed yeah. animals anything like that they want to dress up. Yeah, and there's going to be some really cool prizes and all sorts of stuff. It'll be awesome. Yep, yep. I'm excited. And the best part for me, though, as co-host, is getting all these emails or entries of, like, these absolutely adorable animals in various costumes. Like, oh, my God. I could do this year-round, except for some reason, Halloween's the only holiday that most people are like, let's yeah. dress up. Some fun ways for it. Uh, I've dressed animals up all year round. If I'm living with them, <laughs> I'm that roommate. He's like, I got a new dress. That's, <laughs> I, work when I, have I, kids. I just want to put them in a different costume every day. And so people will be like, is it a boy or a girl? And I'll be like, um, dinosaur. Hello. Right? <laughs> <laughs> How are you going to ask right? a velociraptor that kind of a question? What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. I think, yes, I support that message. Yeah. Well, um, moving on to our real life church horror story. We asked this question for all of our guests and uh, basically it's and if you if you have a story that you're comfortable to share, either or both of you, about times that church has been horrific, whether it is 
supernatural stuff. We had an exorcism story mm-hmm. on here before in the past episode. So holy cow, yeah. that was, well, we've had two now. Holy shit. And yeah, uh, ghost stories, stuff like that. But also more often than not, it's just church people being shitty or bad theology that's harmful or stuff like that. So anything you're comfortable sharing? Yeah, well, I grew up, one, I still live in the Bible Belt, so I'm surrounded by it all the time. Um, I grew up in a split family. My mother's side of the family went to a Southern Baptist church, and my father's side of the family was Church of Christ. And me, as little, um, didn't know it yet, but queer myself, uh, just had the best of times. <laughs> um, but I think the the best, I mean, because you had the Church of Christ on one side, which was like something was stuck up their ass all the time and everything was so staunch and perfect. <laughs> and you had the Church of Christ or Southern Baptist that was like the most hypocritical part of it. They were a little more fun, but you couldn't talk about it on Sunday. Or you would be like, well, did you hear that uh, I saw anime? She was going out and I was like, oh my God. So oh a little bit of both worlds there. <laughs> But the best story I have is um, when I was forced out of the closet, um, I was accosted with questions. And the best question I received was, are you the devil? And my response was, I don't think so. (laughs) But would you tell them if you were? Because the devil moves in silence. Right. (laughs) They clearly didn't watch that uh, in my... Shyamalan, that movie with them in the yeah. elevator with the devil. It's a good movie. Though. That's I've like I've heard the like you're going to hell, like all of that stuff, which is just like okay, uh-huh. I hear Jesus is coming too. It's gonna be awesome, um, but like, are you the devil? <laughs> like, are yeah. you the devil? And yeah, it's kind of yeah. I don't know. I don't think so. Right, right. <laughs> I, yeah, that's, that's my best that story question, I got. That question just—it sends me. It just—are <laughs> you the devil? <laughs> that that does feel like an appropriate question for like a horror film, right? Like the psychological thriller type of thing, where you're like, "Are you the devil?" I don't know. We just watched Children of the Corn. Yeah. There's sometimes I should have been asking that. In yeah, we just watched Children of the it. Corn, and which is which we're covering after this. Yeah, the episode after already this. recorded. But um, yeah, yeah. There's one part in Children of the Corn where they're like, "We came to bring you peace," and the like menace with which they say that phrase. I'm just like, "Are you, Are you the devil?" <laughs> That should be a tabletop game. Are you the devil? Um, one player is the devil, everybody else is not. <laughs> yes. You move around the board until you find the devil, and the devil finds you. Oh. That's fantastic. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Sure, did you? You don't have to, but if you have a story that you'd be willing to share. I mean, like, I'm from Missouri, so, like, that right there is mm-hmm. its own situation. Um, I, one of my older brothers is an idiot. Uh, <laughs> and uh, when he got religious, um, most quotation marks, all the quotation marks, um, when he got religious, he decided to perform an exorcism on me because I called him an asshole. Um, and he thought only the devil would say that to him. And I was like, or somebody who spent five minutes with me. 
And now we're no longer in the same rooms together. We don't speak. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. But I had so many brothers, it didn't really matter to lose that one. Um, <laughs> All right. That's fair. Yeah. Now you have three exorcism stories. Right? Right? I dropped that same one on Bloodhouse, and I guess this is just a year of my exorcism to like be elaborated on slowly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's the the whole dynamic of like church people who think that cussing is somehow the worst thing in the world. Was like, have you? Like, I get that we don't understand the context of the Bible anymore, but it is full of cussing. Brood of vipers. Not cool to say. Like, Jesus calls a woman a bitch. Right? Yeah. Like, if he had bars, I feel like the rest of us are fine. (laughs) Right? Right. If Jesus was around today, he would call many people bitches. And I like, think that's okay. Right. He could look at the Supreme Court and be like, all you bitches. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's well, you know, it, it is wild to me to see like how twisted Christianity has become in the past. And re- I mean, forever, really. But like, I feel like it's just even gotten wilder in the past, like, Four years, six years, a decade, maybe let's go decade. It's just absolutely wild. And the cognitive dissonance, like, just today I heard someone, I was on TikTok, of course, and there was a video of this man asking this other man a question. He was like, so you think Hillary Clinton was a traitor because she held confidential material or whatever? And he said, and she should be put put to death. And he said, yes. And he said, okay, well, if they find that Trump did the same thing, should he be called a traitor and put to death? No. Uh. Yeah. They actually... <laughs> I was right? listening to NPR on my way home today, and I think we're some... <laughs> we get yeah. it. You're a nerd. No, yes, I am a nerd. <laughs> I was a nerd, too. But they, had, too. they were doing a thing about how social media like Facebook and YouTube were the two that they were mostly talking about um, intentionally are cultivating spaces that radicalize and we're talking about like how they radicalize people and like there was a situation in I think Sri Lanka it was where the government of Sri Lanka was like Facebook you need to put a stop to this or there will be like violence racist violence happening in this country and Facebook didn't and violence broke out and then finally the government just cut Facebook off completely. It was Facebook and WhatsApp, which is owned by Facebook. And so they cut them off completely. The violence immediately stopped and Facebook immediately, like after having ignored them this whole time leading up to it, Facebook immediately called and was like, why are the like hits at zero now? Not like what's going on in your country, not any of that, not, hey, we have these messages that somehow we missed. No. Why isn't anyone using our platform in your country right now? And then like YouTube was like, we're going to cultivate strong emotion in people, not 
helpful information. <laughs> I, <laughs> I just want the planet mostly. Um, right. That's how you know I'm alive, I guess. But... <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, anyway. Whew. I'm going to try to make... No, I'm not. I, I, so new this season for us, just a little bit behind the scenes info is... We now have transition music, so I don't need to make really bad transitions, which was kind of a hallmark of our podcast in the past, is that neither Emily or I could ever transition to save our lives. I am definitely too NB to transition. Right? Same. (laughs) But (laughs) we even have, like, we have merch that legit says too NB to transition, like, because that is I have merch that says too NB not to transition, Um, because that's also, like who we are and who we support as a podcast but yeah i love it <laughs> love yep. but um so for our listeners at home the film we're talking about in case you didn't get that already from our meandering intro is nightmare on elm street 1984 directed by the Late great Russ Craven. Um, and what was the first time y'all have seen this movie? I literally, it was just part of my childhood. I know right. I had to see it before I was six or seven, but Freddie was just always there. Like some kids have like Barbies or they have like their easy make ovens. I had Freddie Krueger. <laughs> um, the image of him with the outstretched arms coming mm. for Tina was like one of the things I would think about while I was trying to go to sleep. And I was like, ooh, Freddie. Um, <laughs> I I don't even know what order I saw them in, but this one always stands out because like clearly it's the greatest of all of them. Um, yeah. And even as a kid, I had taste, and so I was like, I remember that one, <laughs> and that pizza moment was another one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I I too I I don't remember the first time I watched this movie because I just have always have seen this movie. I, it might have been in the womb. I don't know. I just right. <laughs> I don't remember. It. It's just always been there, and I've always, you know, and I, like Sheree said, I've seen them all in a various different orders at different times and different ways, and, you know, I've seen them all multiple times, so I don't even know the order that I originally watched them in, um, but yeah, I had to have been, like, somewhere between five and ten when I watched it the first time. Yeah. I, I know I had to be young enough for Freddy Krueger to be my first imaginary friend. And that's why I'm thinking it's gotta be before six and seven. Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah. so same for me in the sense that I rem- like one of my earliest memories is sitting in kindergarten class. So I was like five or six and re- remembering uh, like having an imaginary friend moment with Freddy in my kindergarten class so that my <laughs> kindergarten teacher was concerned and called my mom. So like I had already seen, I, I know I had seen, um, I, I, I kind of like both of you, I, I have no memory of the first time I saw it. I just feel like, kind of like you said, Trent, like I must have seen it in the womb. I must, it must be some like wired into my DNA. Like as long as I can remember, Freddie was there. Um, I, I remember having like a little plastic table and the plastic chairs. And I remember sitting there talking to Freddie. Um, at what looked like a tea party to people not listening, I guess. <laughs> so they're like, I'm having tea parties, that's normal. But it was me <laughs> talking about people's dreams. And uh, I was mad. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
I sending Freddie into the room. Right? I'm just like, I think so and so took my candy. Could you go investigate, Freddie? Um, <laughs> so. Sheree was sending Freddie to do her dirty work. Listen, I was always a Gemini as well. <laughs> That's why me and Freddie got along. That's fantastic. Um, un- right. Unsurprisingly, this was my first time watching this show, this film for this episode. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like, I had heard of Freddy Krueger, and I had heard vaguely of Nightmare on Elm Street. Did not know that they were the same. Like, I legit asked Pace. I was like, so is Freddy, like, from, while we were watching, I was like, is Freddy from something else also? Once we heard the backstory, because I was like, maybe that was, like, this other horror film franchise, and then it spins off into the, and Pace was like, no. <laughs> no. Just. It's not here. They don't even know about Freddy versus Jason yet. I've heard so of it. They have a whole. Oh, I know that it exists. They have a whole thing that's coming. I'm, that's a whole other experience. That's the right? one. That's the one I definitely recommend that you, if you are a drinker or anything, I, I highly recommend you have whatever you need for comfort when you're going to that one. There's a freaking. There's a freaking F swear in that movie. Can like a 2003 movie it's, that it's has. A, it's a whole problematic exchange because he says something racist and then she says something. Right. <laughs> well, it just keeps F-word. getting. And I'm just like, ah! um, on top of all the other choices made. And I'm just like, right? we need to not. This should have never happened. How do we undo yeah. this? Can I get my money back? But it's too late. <laughs> yes. Ooh, and this movie, be, like I said, 2003. So well into the 2000s enough that they could have figured out some of this stuff, like in a post 9-11 world. Maybe we could do things a little bit differently, but no, we're going to make it somehow worse than the like worse in like these kind of social um, awareness ways than the original six that came before. Like, okay, cool. I don't get it. So, so don't worry, Emily. We're gonna get there. I I'm excited can't wait. for you to experience this. <laughs> I'm less excited for you to experience that. Um, I'm excited about Scream Queens. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. That's yes. so yeah. good. We love you, Mark Patton. <laughs> right. We right. Know. Like I keep wanting to bother him to be on our show, and I just never get the courage. Aww. <laughs> You can make a weird transition now, Emily. Your turn. Oh. Uh, I can transition. Uh, speaking of awkwardness, uh, <laughs> speaking of behind-the-scenes <laughs> okay. stuff from a different movie, um, yes, yeah. some, beh- some background and behind-the-scenes stuff for this film. So there is... Uh, show called movies that made us that face made me watch um the nightmare on elm street one and it's actually like really great at doing just kind of like a big picture behind the scenes of the making of nightmare on elm street all of their financial troubles um how they did the creepy 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 bathroom scene all of that stuff um so you should definitely take check it out one of the things that i thought 
was really interesting because in the movie, right, we're talking about dreams and we're talking about nightmares and, and they have like the dream skills stuff. Um, but what they like, what doesn't come through is that a lot of this, a lot of the ideas for Nightmare on Elm Street came from the experience of Cambodian refugees who culturally, like, they were in the practice of having dreams and then writing it down even in the middle of the night. And it helped get whatever was happening in the dream out of their heads. Um, but when they were resettled in the United States, there was this such a huge cultural shift for them that they couldn't get, they couldn't write down their dreams. They couldn't get the dreams out of their heads. And multiple people actually like died in their sleep of like who knows what so like presumably died in their sleep of these nightmares or these dreams that they were having and so like for that to be the origin of this I was like that is fascinating and awful and also does not come up anywhere in the movie which is not surprising because that's what you know white people do with yeah. all ideas ever but True. <laughs> uh yeah no because i remember i found out so like that's that's the one that like gets in all the documentaries mm-hmm. and stuff because there was like two theories and i was like i believe this one the other one is very basic it's just like teens were dying um and Wes is like interesting and i was like I, I love Wes, and I'm sure you can spin it from that, but I think that this one is better and juicier and more realistic for the way that, like, we like to yep. colonize things as Americans. Um, yeah. <laughs> to be like, we see this thing, and we're going to steal it and just keep moving. Uh, yeah. Right, right. Beyond that, I, beyond that, there's so much podcast. Let me just uh Say for our listeners, like every horror podcast and their mother has done a Nightmare on Elm Street episode. Like that's how popular this franchise is. So I don't want to go too much deeper into the behind the scenes because definitely check out uh, the sh- movies that made us episode. Listen to pretty much anybody's episode mm-hmm. on this. They go into behind the scenes. Or, um, of course, there's the Never Sleep Again documentary, which goes real de- in depth into the whole franchise. Uh but there is one story, like I was mining my Blu-ray to see if I could find like one anecdote that mm-hmm. I haven't really heard before. And so I found like um, one of the episodes with uh, I, Wes Craven, they're interviewing him. And he talked about how he heard from John Waters on opening day. He saw opening day in the afternoon, um, Baltimore legend, but Pink Flamingos, uh, director Pink Flamingos, Hairspray, stuff like that. I live in Baltimore. Uh, and and crybaby with uh Johnny Depp, so connection there. Uh, and, but anyway, so like John Waters saw this opening day and called up uh, Wes Craven and said that you have a hit here. And just uh, the the first of all that these directors know each other and like communicate. Like I, I just don't understand. Like Hollywood sounds so fake. I don't understand how they do it out there. But whatever. Um, but just the fact that they're all like in community, are like, oh yeah, I saw your movie on opening day. It was great. And the fact that it was John Waters, who is like a huge hero of mine, who also loves Freddie. So cool. I I kind of wonder if they know each other because before Wes got into horror, he used to work on porn under the name mm-hmm. of Amy Snake. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so I wonder if him and John met in those circles hmm. and just kept that oh, friendship going. It. Yep. Interesting. I want a shirt that says directed by Ace Snake. I still want one. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. That'd be yeah. fun. I love that idea. That makes me think differently about that bathroom scene. I had major feels um, about it. I, I will say that <laughs> I will say that like <laughs> that hand is very much there um, but like we don't see a whole lot of nudity in this horror movie which I think mm. is another reason why it stands out because like usually especially in this era it's just like boobs everywhere. Like I'm always yelling mm-hmm. about it. Oh. <laughs> I mean and, like, the franchise. Yeah. Moving even forward. Nancy when Nick is in the bathtub, she is covered, and her mother merely puts the robe around her, and like there's yeah. blocking, so you never see anything. Even when she's like changing her closet, and I was like, Uncle Wes is really trying. I see Uncle Wes trying. And I think it's another reason why he's one of the favorites because he was like, I've done that, and I'm gonna stop doing that because people are upset, and I hear this, yeah. and I'm gonna do better. By well, yeah, he actively said that later, like about halfway through his career, he realized how much trauma and stuff he was doing to women especially in like those early films like Last House on the Left and uh, which is a real world. If you watch that movie, who is rough on the women? Um, and so he actively wanted to steer away from doing that, which is why he did films like this film and Scream and, you know, where the, the women weren't, well, weren't nude half the time and like just... Mm-hmm. That was, I think, in the movies that made us episode, they talked about that, and I don't remember now if it was Wes Craven or somebody else, Um, but they talked about, I think Wes Craven's kid, maybe, or somebody's kid, daughter, had said, why, like, why in all of the horror films do the women always fall over? and have to be saved and so they specifically didn't have the women falling over super victimized always having to be saved but like the at least one woman one young girl is the one who figures everything out and who is the protagonist which is so refreshing um but it was because someone had because a family member which is frequently how it happens right it has to be someone related to you or somehow as a man you like can't be bothered to care. What did you say? But like thanks be to God for all of the people who are related who say something so that you can actually think critically about what you're doing as a producer or a director or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And one of the things I love so much and we'll get into summary in just a moment but like that I love about Nancy compared to other final girls um, is just that granted, like, I feel like she is sleepwalking through the entire performance, but I love Heather <laughs> and Camp. I really do. But like, I, I just love Nancy is just so resourceful on, in a level of like proactiveness and agency that even someone like Laurie Strode, who's very resourceful in the Halloween series, especially the, um, the ones now, but like, I think original in 78 she was very resourceful and yet nancy's like preparing ahead of time she's home alone loaning her house for christ's sake like <laughs> yes I and love she's like that. the only one like 
holding everything together, trying to make sure Gwen doesn't get killed, but of course he doesn't listen to her because he's mm-hmm. he, uh, who knows what's going on there. Um, he's the most her mom's not listening to her like nobody. Yeah, I love yeah. her mom. The mom is my favorite. Her mom's amazing. Uh, but, but Glenn, can we just talk about for a moment how Glenn is oh the most gosh. worthless man that has ever manned in a horror movie? He he's was tasked to stay away when he was pretty. Listen, right. But, Messed back when he showered and we didn't all know who he really was and it was a great time. But with this character, if you are tasked to stay awake twice and you fail twice, what is your purpose? What? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's good typecasting. <laughs> yes. I will say, before we get to the summary, I'm famously not a huge Nancy fan. Um, but it's not because of the way she's written or like the plot. I can't take Hedda Lane Kemp's, uh, uh, how she says the lines because it's it's just so. It's it like nails on chalkboard. It felt like her first movie. You what? What? Yeah. It felt mm-hmm. like her first movie, which was also Johnny's. So it was funny they were paired together. <laughs> um, but it, I don't know <laughs> if it's her first movie, but it feels like it because sometimes she's definitely like. My hand should be on the fridge, and it's the most awkward <laughs> route to do it. <laughs> like, yeah. Hey but, but here's the thing. Which, oh. I've heard she's very sweet, and I will love to meet her in real life. But, and I will say, once she gets to Freddy's Dead, which is probably, I kind of like better than the original. Whoa. But uh, <gasps> I love Freddy's. Not Freddy's Dead. Uh, uh, new Nightmare. New Nightmare. New Nightmare. Once we get to New Nightmare, her acting is so much better in New, in New Nightmare. That's the one I like better than the original, not Freddy's Dead. That's apparently the original. <laughs> I was like, mm, this is my last best appearance. <laughs> no, New Nightmare, the, the yeah. one where it's like in the real world kind of. I yeah. love that movie so much. But yeah. she becomes well, a better actor. She does. I saw her in Cottonmouth. Is this short last year or this year? I don't know anymore. And she's such a better actor. I think that if this was not her first movie, it's one of her first. And she was just nervous because, like, her delivery and the way she does things, it's like, what is happening? But also, oh. it's like a weird, heightened surrealism world. And so, like, I try to excuse it. But still, the hand yeah. on the fridge every time takes me out and I have to pause it. <laughs> so I can... Her delivery is just always so whiny. Tina's dead. <laughs> just like, okay, girl. Why don't you think I take that seriously? You used like, me, Daddy. Like, <laughs> Mom. Screaming your whole ass. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh. oh, this movie, I love it. Okay. Well, I guess we'll get to a summary um of the movie. Uh, so opens with the montage of a man creating a razor glove. AKA some super high femme nails. Right. I have seen I have seen people's nails and <laughs> Yep, yep. Uh we there's a whole lot that's I cannot wait till we get like late enough into the series, Emily, for us to like start having discussions about Freddie's sexuality because that's a whole gross but also very strange thing to unpack about like what exactly is going on with this man but anyway it kind of starts here there's some creepy stuff but even after the bathtub scene there's some geekiness especially in this next one y'all don't want to right 
some caressing these high femme nails inside of people's mouths. Oh, you'll see. Uh, <laughs> don't want to give too many spoilers. Uh, so we then see a teen, Tina, running away from the uh, the man through a labyrinth of hallways into a boiler room. Weird things happen, like a sheep running across the hall. Which is like this startle of innocence in the midst of what is clearly not innocence. They, yeah. it, this whole franchise really walks that line of like destroying innocence in every film. They have the like mm-hmm. a lot of the time they use like children um, when they, they'll pick up the child and it turns out it's like a, here's a, like there's a lot of times that stuff like that happens and that's yeah the first time we see. This franchise does that the whole time, and again, we start off um, finding out certain things about Freddy in this movie that people just forget because mm. they love Freddy so much. And I'm just like, no, but it's it's still there. It's still how he got to be mm-hmm. who he is. And I think that's one of the reasons why the remake was so shot upon is because they were more direct with what Freddy was doing to get to where Freddy was going, right. um, as opposed to like kind of like. Mm, massage a little bit and give you some imagery that you can ignore if you really want to. Um, they were like, no. Yeah. A, B equals C. <laughs> and people were like, ah! What? Not what's, what's so weird about that, too, is, for me, like, the way that people go to great lengths to try to say, yes, that might have been part of the original idea for Freddy, is that he'd be a child molester in addition or a pedophile in addition to being a child murderer. But it was downplayed or taken out of the original series. But no, it's still there, first and mm-hmm. foremost, like on screen. But then in Freddy's Nightmares, that awful show, which I watch for this podcast. That's how much I love all of, <laughs> um, all of our listeners. But in Freddy's Nightmares, that TV show, it explicitly says, calls him a child pedophile or child molester several times in that show from while the franchise was still going on. So I just never buy that excuse about like, Oh, it's not part of the original. I mean, um, he's literally trying to it, make out with me. I was going to say, his movie. tongue comes out right. of the, the phone. phone. Like, right? Right? <laughs> he is fighting 15 year olds the whole franchise. He's not going after anybody else. They are all 15 and below. <laughs> um, right? And he, all, the things he says to them and the things he will do to them, I don't want to ruin for you, Emily, because you've got a journey ahead of you. Um, but I'm just like, he never forgot the assignment. And I think that a lot of the Freddy stands mm. do, as opposed to understanding that we are living for somebody who did some really gross stuff. We need to unpack all of that. That I feel like that's healthier than being like, no, not Freddy. It's very Gwyneth Paltrow being like, I wasn't Spider-Man. You were, Gwyneth. You were. Um, you these things. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and it, it, I mean, it reminds me of a lot of fandom. We were talking about this on my other podcast a little while ago, but the, the like toxic fandom, right? Where you're, we're like the Star Wars fandom that like the new Star Wars is, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. not all cishet white boys. And all of a sudden it's terrible. Right. And so it's just like, Which, again, that's not news, mm-hmm. but it, it, people act like it is because it's always been racist, which is why originally there were no brown people or black people except for the one because it was the 80s. Yep. You should have one. Um, and then, like, um, Boyega. Mm. I forgot his first mm-hmm. name. Oh, I'm, I forgot his first name. I'm terrible. I'm awesome. Yep. But when he appeared in it, yeah, when, when he appeared in it, people were saying all kinds of awful things to him. 
And the people in charge of the fandom were just, or the people in charge of the franchise was like, oh, we don't know what to do. This has never happened. And so he's not coming back. But like now the new black people in the, yeah. are like, you need to support me. Exactly. Um, it's a different day. <laughs> we have we have social media managers or something. Right. And, and the, that's, the yeah. Lord of the Rings um, fandom is doing that right now with the new Ooh. series that yeah. actually has yeah. POC people in it. They're like, what? Um, Shudi Gawa is going to be the next doctor. I'm so excited. Stand, of course. And I'm so excited, but I also know yeah. that Shudi's life is about to be awful. Um, and I hate that because, like, I've waited my whole life to have a black doctor in the main story, not like side trips and things, even though I love what we've gotten. Um, I just, I've always wanted a black doctor. Um, and we have one who is a very queer actor. <laughs> like, to the point, I don't even know pronouns because we all keep saying to him, but I'm like, can anybody actually ask right. me? Because I yeah. don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just know that it's going to be awful on Facebook and Twitter and probably the red carpet because, like, I I also watch Stranger Things. I'm an all-around nerd, y'all, if you don't know me. Um, and Priya was doing, like, a quick little guest spot on a show, which is rare because they don't normally talk to her or Caleb because those are the two black kids. And so we're just like, you have no use for them. But she was doing like a guest spot and I watched it because I'm like, ooh, I want to actually hear what she says about like her mm-hmm. character and who she is as a person. And they called her sassy three different times in the course of a five minute interview. Her character is sassy. Yeah. Your character's bringing all the sass. Um, we love to see that sassy energy. And right. I was like, where was is she her also team? articulate? Where is her parents? Like... <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> I just, I hate it here. Again, I went off the planet. Yeah. Well, yeah. Fandoms are toxic. Moral, the moral of the story is. They are, but they also aren't, right? Like, it's this weird, I, so, confessions, I grew up and for a very long time loved Harry Potter. Nerds at Church used to be HP at Church. We all did. That's how much, like, my first podcast was about Harry Potter and the Bible. Um, And... There's there's a there's a lot of like a Harry Potter fandom that is not great, but also like there is a prof- deep and profound way, particularly as someone who's non-binary, that Harry Potter fandom has been like, what the fuck, J.K. Rowling, no, and just like rejected the ways that she continues to perpetuate harm. Admittedly, it took us a little while. Right, like we had some like Hermione white feminism going on. We had like all the problematic stuff, but then it was like, no, there is a thing in the Harry Potter books that we can pull out that is actually like working for a better world and being who we need to be for our generation or like now it's like for the generations, right? Like now I'm Order of the Phoenix and it's like for the generation of young ones, Um, (laughs) right? But like we can do that for others. And so it was like this, this small space where, okay, we're going to figure out how to make fandom better than the author because the author is crap, which it doesn't always happen, obviously, but. And that, that also ties into the Freddy franchise a lot too, um, in that as you'll see when you watch Scream Queen, uh there the way Mark Patton has been like villainized by Hollywood and 
all the queer phobia he experienced, then also the way that there's like this really modern resurgence of huge support for him and recognizing the recognizing the place in like queer cinema, horror and queer history and also just uh horror in general that that film plays. So so I think that kind of ties in with the weirdness that this very strange franchise about a child molesting murderer is also this place where you get this great example of um nancy being so resourceful we get this example of uh, a male screen queen in the next one um and all this other stuff so uh, way to bring us back well <laughs> i'm i don't even know anymore it what what day is today tuesday yep. yesterday was monday sure okay I went off this planet too. That's all. Anyway, um, so uh, Tina wakes up from her dream and she, or her nightmare, screaming. Her mom checks in on her. Tina notices that she has rips in her nightgown, and her mom gives the weirdest line in the film. I think this weird binary of either cut your fingernails or stop having nightmares, one or the other. Hashtag false binary. <laughs> A great period on Elm Street. Just a great period. As if people who right? Right? don't have nightmares. <laughs> right? I, we should have known the parents were out of pocket, though, because you think about it. Freddie took 20 children before somebody was like, I wonder if something's going on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, right? One kid, okay, maybe. Two kids? <laughs> somebody should be suspicious. 20 kids? <laughs> from the same neighborhood and when I think neighborhood I'm just like this is a tiny group so some of y'all are missing siblings yeah. you, it's literally on run. Elm Street like that's, there can't be that like, many that's like the dang uh, Passover or whatever when they killed the firstborn <laughs> Freddy is now God <laughs> this is God <laughs> yes Freddy as the angel of death perfect <laughs> Because, like, yeah, when I think of neighborhood, I think of, like, you probably have maybe 30, 50 people in that home. That's half your kids. Right? Half these families missing their kids. 20 kids. 20 kids. She said he killed 20 children. And I was like, you're a lie, Nancy's mom. Because that's a lot of kids. I was going to say, it's probably like. You were seeing seeing double. It was two. Because, like, this has been pointed out in other shows, too, like, but the logic of, like, if he killed that many kids, and then all the parents go and murder him, and so all the people who are, the people he's haunting in their dreams are all the children of people who participated in his murder, doesn't that imply that all of them have older siblings that were killed by Freddy? And if so, how come everybody in this entire town is shocked every time that Freddy does something Nobody has ever heard of him before. Like, well, I just they, don't they talk about that? Is it this one they talk about that Nancy had an older sister or an older sibling? I was gonna say, they didn't talk about remake. it this time, but it does explain why her parents are splitting up. Because statistically, if if a child dies, you, the adults in the family are way more likely to split up. Also, like everyone should divorce the cops. So, I... yes. Yeah, one hundred percent. A cap. 
I hope that Freddie's um, partner was a divorce lawyer. And... I love it. Lots of questions. I need a prequel. That's why I'm glad there was, like, you hear the story about, like, this is coming from this child molester, murderer, burn victim. There had to be, like, it makes sense that that is its own horror franchise, how you got there. Well, wait, wait till I make you watch the, well, um, you're you're going to do so with joy because it's our BooTube episode for next month. But when we watch Freddy's Nightmares, it can see the prequel episodes, which are <laughs> the prequel episodes trash. I, yeah. I've decided to finally see There's it. There's two. I decided to finally see it, and the friends who watched it before me were like, "Don't watch Freddy's Nightmares. It's trash." Like, but I waited my whole life. Like, keep waiting. And I was like, "Oh no." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's on Tubi for free, so anyone who wants to watch it, a Tubi account's free. It's supported by ads, so you can watch it right now. And um, after, like you said, it's been unavailable for good reason for twenty some years, um, and now finally you can stream it. And it's just like, ugh. if you think Nancy's acting or Heather's acting is bad in this, just wait. It is like, it is like I will say Heather's acting. I mean, there are worse acting in this franchise. Like it is not. I- as bad as some of those later installments, but Tuesday night. <laughs> oh, oh Tuesday. <laughs> Do we go through the every every night of the oh, week? Yeah, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now for Tuesday, we stopped with Tuesday. We're like, no more this week. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> Yep. Well, and that's, you know, the joys of BooTube. Our BooTube episodes on Patreon for Patreon subscribers is you get to hear us, like, tear apart. Much in the same... I, I imagine we will be tearing apart Freddy's Nightmares. Um, but also much in the same way that we <laughs> tackled the Twilight films last season. There's a lot to never apart there. I've not seen them, but I just, I can feel it in my bones. I've only seen the first one and I refuse to go any further. I read the book. They get more and more bizarre. Right? Speaking of people who shouldn't be writing, um, Stephanie Myers. (laughs) Real. That was our, we had, we, for the first episode, for the first Twilight episode, we had um, TJ Tranchel, who is a horror author and grew up LDS and so he like dug into that with us it was fantastic it was a fantastic episode all the ways it's subtle Mormon propaganda (laughs) or not so subtle but (laughs) as I was reading it and nothing ever happened I was like I wonder if (laughs) and then I finished it like I bet you I just read a bunch of propaganda and then I was and I was like ah damn it she got me what? When I watched <laughs> the show, the movie the first time, my friend, it was like the end of high school and my, or the begin or like early college. And my friend was loved Twilight and so wanted me to watch it with her. And so she came over and we watched it and I spent the entire movie waiting for something to happen. 
and then it was over and I was like they play baseball in the rain that's pretty much the only thing that happens and I'm like a league of their own did it better why am I here I <laughs> I need to see the new one I'm right the new especially the new series the new you do it is so queer it is so black it is so black queer it is so good there is a content notification for one of the episodes so make sure you check on that if you need to but But yeah i i'm happy that stephanie meyer's work got redid as 50 shades of gray because she deserves that because one left turn deserves another right Yeah, listen to, go back, um, listeners, and listen to our Twilight episode, particularly, uh, well, they're all fun, but particularly the last one when we talk about the sparkly vampire come, which apparently Stephanie Myers has imagined enough to include in the Appendix C volume, or the Twilight Which Pace actually volume. bought to read. I purchased and read. <laughs> It was not the best decision I've made. <laughs> it was for I, I research. Mean, you I, should write it off I, your taxes. Right. I, right. It's just, uh-huh. Her in the glitter. I, I don't like to ask people why they're into something, but I need to know. I need to, or some her to explain the glitter. Because it's, right. it's, it's everywhere. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> it's the Mormons. It's extra, extra right? special. Because they're all actually queer. I was out to eat dinner with a friend out on town, and I some Mormons came in, and I started singing the musical. <laughs> <laughs> I started, hello, my name is. <laughs> oh, sorry, Price. It was fine. I love it. In theory, we should keep going through a summary, but. Listeners, we're having so much fun. I'm just going to say fuck it. And we can just talk, like, jump around. Like, what are some of the other weird-ass shit we love from this movie? Because there's so much, and I love so much of it. We can't do it without mentioning Uh, the Jump Rope song. I played Jump Rope growing up. It is creepy. (laughs) What did you say, Sheree? It is very creepy. Yeah. I was like, it's creepy. Because, again, you have these girls, and, like, the white dresses yeah. that I associate with the purity balls, which are creepy mm-hmm. because they're prompting themselves for a dance. Um, and they're jump roping and thinking about Freddie, who, again, has a very solidified history yeah. that people keep ignoring. <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't like this visual. Um, and it just, it's sometimes a creepy part of the movie. Because, like, I was never afraid of Freddie, clearly, by having <laughs> tea with him. But um, you never had tea <laughs> with those right? jump ropers. You were it and spilling it. Never. I was like, those are creepy kids. You leave those out of my house, Freddie. <laughs> yes. They can't sit with us. <laughs> with kids in her horror very well. Do not. Especially one dressed like that. Because, again, those dresses are creepy. I I made the mistake right? of finding out what oh. purity balls were a few years ago. I was about to say they're going right to a purity ball. I was they're literally bad. about to it, say that. It is. It is. And I'm just like, oh, no. Freddie's guilty. Because, like, again, like... <laughs> Her drunk mom, like, she's not a libel narrator, so maybe there's a little bit of doubt, hopefully, because again, 20 kids, one dude. I, I want a follow up question. Um, but you see them, like, oh no, they're confirming what I, I, I was trying not to know. Oh no. Um, and they're like, that's the credits. And I'm like, no, what's the There were so no. many different endings to that movie, though. Listen, I, it was a happy. 
it. It was like, you want to end here in the bedroom? No. How about here in the car? No. How about here with the dummy going through the door? No. With the little girls doing the Freddy Krueger song? Yeah. That's the shot. Like, right? But oh, yeah. Just my mom the fact that, that little bitty window. It, makes it me is laugh so obviously time. just like a doll. It was a doll. Like they, they just <laughs> went down to doll, their local porn bad. shop and purchased the blow up doll. And I mean, right through the window. I was going to say they maybe yeah, had it already. <laughs> no, they're right. like, Johnny, um, we just a favor. Go ahead and bring that in tomorrow. We're going to need it. What? Right. Oh, oh. gosh. Winner. Also, is that what the tattoo says now? Winner. <laughs> anyway, moving on. I also love that the cops were always, they're always useless in horror films. But even more, someone gets killed in the prison, in jail, by hanging himself. And I'm like, where were you? Where were, there were no... They were giving Nancy a hard time. I have a note about it. Because, like, had they just listened to Nancy Mm -hmm. one of the first 20 minutes, um, (laughs) Ron would still be alive. But it was like, you know, Nancy, I've just been relationship. Somebody's dying! Nancy, what are you doing here? Damn, what are you doing here? My daughter's involved in the... Everybody stop talking. She's saying someone is probably dying downstairs. But we're like, we're cops. To be fair, the way she said it was, someone's dying! (laughs) Don't you listen to me! I mean, after dad used her as bait, like... These parents are questionable from the get. I mean, I that, if I'm siding with the drunk mom, you know the dad's got something right. going yeah. wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I hope the mom yeah. left the dad, not the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> but also talk about Deputy Worthless, who was standing there watching Nancy get chased by Freddy Krueger for like a half an hour. Like, maybe right. she told her dad right. something's going on over there. She's breaking windows and screaming. You should have told her dad. Also, dad window. should have actually what? like listened to her and been like, okay. Like, there's literally, it's an ongoing investigation across the street. You are already there. You can pause, like, set a timer on your watch, man. 20 minutes. Then go check on your kid while murders are happening all over the street. The way they all assumed all she did was sleep, what she was telling them, the sleep demon they killed was coming for her. (laughs) I'm just like... She's got too much proof for you to not believe her. I know you don't like to believe women, but she's got too much proof. Her hair is turning gray. She's pulling props out of her right. dreams. She knows his name. <laughs> you never told her the name. I, I think you should maybe believe her. But it's like, no, just go to sleep, honey. You just need to go to sleep while your mom locks you in the house and drinks herself to death. That's what right. you need to do right I will now. Say, I will but, say horror is not a good representation of parenthood, but this franchise, <laughs> Emily, just get ready. This is yeah. the tip of the iceberg on bad parenting on the Elm and, Street. <laughs> in our retrospective, when we talk about like the entire franchise and we talk about like some of the overarching themes, one of the things we're just going to have to talk about is just like if there's any franchise like you're saying, Trent, where this is just bad parenting, it's this one. But it's kind of one of those really cool themes of the franchise, though, is it sides with the teens in a way that most hor- like most of the time you're rooting just for Jason to slash around here, but like here we're putting everybody in the perspective of the teen who is nobody is listening to. And I just find that like such a fascinating reversal of so many slasher films, especially because most of them have teenage protagonists. But this one is the only one that actually seems to like respect the teen's mm-hmm. point of view in a sense, I guess. 
Yeah. I think it's part of the reason Wes's work stands out differently from a lot of other people. Because, like, even in, like, Scream and even Cursed, like, everything he did after he made that shift to not just have women being, like, brutalized, <laughs> um, we are we are pro the victim. And the victim is usually a young girl, um, and she is trying to do the thing. Cursed, it was her brother, but she was raising her brother because they were orphaned. I forget why. It's been a minute. Um, but it's always mm-hmm. like, no, believe the kids. Which is a powerful message because a lot of people don't believe the kids, which is why your neighborhood loses twenty of them because nobody's like, "Hey, did so and so not come home tonight?" <laughs> I mean, this is like latchkey to a whole new level, and also like the the idea that not only just twenty kids died, but like we we're talking about, but like you we were talking about, right, about the jump rope song, like this. This has become such a legend among the kids that they have this weird jump rope song that they've been doing ever since they were like, like that's more than just the past eighteen years since right. Like that jump rope song has had to have been going on for a long time to be that ingrained in like mm-hmm. that town's childs. Right, <laughs> right. No, I will it's... say in uh, well, I'm mean, no, I shouldn't say it because it's kind of a spoiler for Freddy. But there's there and. I, I'll, I'll, yeah. There's one redeemable quality about that film, and it's and it, they do kind of explain how Freddy goes away and comes back, and how he operate, mm. how he survives. That's the only thing I'm like, okay, I'm glad that was in that movie. <laughs> Freddy is fire. Jason is water. How can Ooh. we use that? <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. It, that, it was such a smorgasbord of ideas. Um, and they were just like, we gotta start filming. Yeah. Bring them all. <laughs> and here's the best part is Emily is a completionist. So I'm like, does this mean that they're going to feel compelled to watch the entire Friday the 13th franchise as well? Because I really hope so. Because I cannot wait I'm to talk not about those. I'm confident that that is going to be the case, but... We have yet to determine if I'm going to become a horror, a horror nerd, right? I am not right now, but the more I learn about the tropes, so it becomes a little bit more predictable, the less terrified I get every time I watch them and the more I enjoy them. <laughs> I, have faith. I will say Friday 13th, the first two, you can make a silent argument for those being like movies um things that happen after that they happen and they are (laughs) filmed and people watch them um because like the first one that's the one because like they did something different with the killer for that one and we were like what and then the second (laughs) one it's like do they try and do a plot oh my god they're doing a plot (laughs) yay and then after that they're just like get them in the woods and get them topless and i'm like oh okay i don't like this this is sleazy like, Put them on a cruise ship and call it New York. Right? There is a very clear line of when they started having porn directors come in because the gaze <clears throat> shifted drastically. Because it was always a little bit like camp boob. But like when the like when the porn guys who are porn guys, I'm not saying people who did porn and do other stuff. I'm like, when the porn <laughs> guys come in. <laughs> um, it is just like, wow, I didn't know I needed to see all of that from her before we chase her. Cool. And I'll wait. <laughs> it's, yeah, past two, it is very yeah. hit or miss. I, there's some after that that I still enjoy, but very hit or miss. I enjoy some of the deaths, um, because again, he's Jason Voorhees, and so the deaths are very <laughs> funny sometimes. But like, as far as the movies go, I'm just like, uh-uh. 
Yeah. Why are you, why are sure. you here? <laughs> Actors I know. Um, yeah. Like, I think that the second one, um, our guest, we had on for that one, called it a Fellini movie compared to the rest of the franchise. I love it. But it reminds me of for Friday the 13th remake, we had mm. Olivia on, uh, who you know, Emily, uh, and they spent like a good 20 minutes ranting about the boobs as like, I like all different shapes of boobs. Why is Michael Bay only showing me this one shape of boob? It's not fun. This is not enjoyable. I, so great I rant on the shape of I actually listened to that episode of, of Horror Nerds at Church because, of, because Olivia was on and they're fantastic and was like, I need to hear what Olivia has to say. Have not seen this movie. Does not make sense, but I'm just here to listen. Don't. And it was worth it. Don't watch it. The eighty, the eighties are about a very specific pair of boobs, um, and they were like, "I'll be damned if I know the girl's name. I'll be damned if I know what she looks like in the face. Oh, <laughs> we just need to see those." Like literally, I, I, if it was a drinking game, just drinking whenever you see boobs in Friday Thirteenth, yeah, nobody would make it out. We would all be in the hospital. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so okay. Shall we discuss the bathroom, yes. the, tub, the bathtub scene? Oh. Because I wish to hear your thoughts. The bathroom scene was just like, (laughs) as it was happening, I was like, what the fuck is going on? And like, the how the movies that make us things shows like how they have like a cutout in the bathtub. There's actually a human being. Like that, I I would have been so profoundly uncomfortable as the actor which like 15 year old kid it was who probably has a swimsuit on whatever but like still i yeah the the like i i hear what you all are saying in that west craven is better than most and also <laughs> like the victim blaming <laughs> rape culture stuff that does still make it in the movie that being chief among them right but also like the joking about rape as casual carefree sex at the very beginning of the movie um and glenn johnny depp being like why would anyone want to kill me implying that there are reasons that other people are being killed and he's this perfect golden child, which, you know, again, method acting, it tracks. Um, But like, yeah, I just, it was so creepy and so uncomfortable for me. I don't know. I'm curious what you think, Sheree, particularly, but. It's one of those things where, again, I think I'm just so, like, to the bathtub scene because, like, I don't remember how old Heather was, but, like, I, I don't know, because, like, everybody's always older than they were in the 80s. We were notorious for casting 40-year-olds, 20-year-olds, and they're sucking up. And I was like, no. And that's why most of us grew up with weird self-esteem because, like, I don't like that, and I'm also 13. She is not 13. She is 27. Cordelia Chase was a whole 31. What? And I was like, what am I like that? Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm watching Buffy and Angel. Listen. Some are vampire seasons. So I'm watching the Buffy and Angel concurrently as they aired. And so. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. No, I listen. I love both of them. I used to like binge them every year before Josh Whedon made me sad. Yeah. Um, no more heroes apparently. Thanks, Lee Twenties. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that because like that scene has been like around forever, and they talk about it forever, and I know that she's older, and I know that like. We, this was also around like the time that Jaws was big. So we were like also throwing like sharks at people's the JJs and shit. Like I'm just like it could have been so much worse than to have like a glove pop up and be like hi. <laughs> yeah, um, and there's yeah. oh please continue. Sorry, I was gonna say, but it was also before the time of NPC coordinators. And as cool as we think Uncle West was, we don't know who was like get in there, get it open. Um, and so I. I don't know, grain of salt, grain of salt, but like I, I am, because like again, I grew up with it, and so I, I haven't thought about it as a new person for a minute, and so it's interesting, because I'm like, well, I haven't thought about that as a person who might not know all the things. Yeah. Just well, and it, it was the prop guy who was the hand, like it wasn't the guy that played Freddy, it was the prop guy oh. that did it, because they had like a shoestring budget for props, and so he was the one who was like in there with his, like, I think also yeah. it's overshadowed a little bit by what Freddie does in the next movie. Um, Cause yeah, the next movies, I don't want to ruin anything, but it is much, Freddie gets bolder. Let's just say that. Freddie gets much bolder. Which is wild when the director's like, I wasn't doing a queer movie. And I'm like, did you watch the movie you did? Right. Have we yeah. seen the same film here? <laughs> I would almost pay to see your reactions to watching the movie on Twitch or something. I would almost pay. I would find dollars to be like, I know what scene <laughs> that is. <laughs> Maybe we could do that. I don't know. But, um, we don't. Do we have? I don't know if we have a movie commentary yet for October. So. Oh, just kidding. We oh. do, and it was one that you suggested. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hocus pocus. <We're- laughs> My my co-host for Nerds at Church is coming on to do Hocus Pocus 2, because we did Hocus Pocus last year on here. We did, like, our crossover episodes, so I forgot about that. Yeah. That's fair. I'm curious how Sit <laughs> 2 is going to go. We'll see what happens with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like the one thing that I will say about the bathroom scene, because one, it's not for me to say if it's appropriate or not, I'm not. Um, but like, at least we didn't see full out mm-hmm. nudity, which we've talked about earlier. I feel like if we had seen boobs or like whatever, we had seen her getting into the bathtub all sexy, like, um, I would have been a little more bothered by it. I mean, it is still very like jarring, and I think if I knew a friend that had any any history with sexual assault or sexual anything like that, I would say, hey, I want to watch this scene because it's a little triggering, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, I, yeah, I get, yeah, I totally get what you're saying, Emily, though. For sure. Yeah. No, like, it's, it's funny because you think you think of all the things and you don't. Um, and I'm just like, yeah, no, if I was just getting dropped into this, I'd be like, <laughs> questions. Um, <laughs> Like I also have seen like a lot of horror movies, and so like I am used to women just being thrown down and all kinds of things. And I'm just like, yeah, what? <laughs> this is a PG-13 movie, and like it's rated R for what? What? <laughs> uh, 
No, I I think that hit me this time though, because again, I see this movie mm-hmm. forever and ever and ever and always. But the thing that actually hit me this time is that Nancy's mom never recovered from what they did to Freddie. Like she's in spiritual mm-hmm. trauma. And with that knowledge, she was much more interesting decent mm-hmm. time. So I've watched it twice for this podcast because it's been like a year and a half. Um, and so I was like, I never really picked up on that. So I was like, ha ha, her and her reader of vodka. Ha ha, her and his little monologue in the basement. But I'm like, no, she's, she's not recovered. She is not healed. And she also got a divorce. And then her daughter is talking to her about things that she's trying to not acknowledge. And so, yeah, yeah. I felt a little bad for her. And just that response of like her knowing that Freddie is dead, as she says, yet simultaneously having like the trauma response of putting bolts and bars on every single entry into the house uh, as soon as Mm -hmm. she heard about Freddy Krueger being in her daughter's dreams. Like that that part never made sense for me until very recently. Similarly, I was watching it from that kind of perspective like holy shit no this makes a lot more sense yeah no because she's like we can keep all the threats out but the threats are coming from the calls are coming right like that's oh yeah that was (laughs) one of my thoughts i was like he's in her head the bars aren't gonna do anything to keep him out and also if you're that worried about why are you keeping the glove in the basement like not even be locked in the furnace, just like in there for your daughter or anybody to find and like, what the fuck? It's also rude to keep it in the furnace, no one can get to the man. Like, I'm kind of here for that. I'm kind of here for that level of petty when you're dealing with a child fair, fair. pedophile murderer. <laughs> Let's be a little petty. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also, so one of the scenes that I really love with this film is the, um, the classroom scene with the mm. resurrection of Tina. I say it's a resurrection because she doesn't feel like a ghost. This feels like he straight up, that yeah. body came back to life. Right. She is being drugged. That will look like. <laughs> I, for some reason, this is the first time I realized in watching that scene that that was Lynn Shea as Nancy's teacher. Because I've always seen her name in the movie, and I'm like, how am I missing Lynn Shay? And it's because I've never seen her not looking like the Lynn Shay I know today. Um, and so, like, mm. she's been in front of me all billion times I've seen this, but this time I was like, is that, oh, that's her without green hair. Oh, my God. Yeah, I remember, I felt so bad, because, yeah, I had that same realization, and I think I tweeted it or something, or I put a Facebook comment or something in the horror world, and everyone was like, yeah, duh, where have you been? And I was like, Sorry, God, okay, just take my joy away, why don't you? Nancy was acting, and so we were distracted. <laughs> she was acting, okay, I was distracted, I couldn't help it. She was dead. Okay, but that, that bad acting aside, right, like, the way the mom acts, like, there's the trauma response, all of that, but Pace pointed out, like, she acts like she's in a soap opera. Like yes. it's a full-on soap. Yes. She's in a different movie from everybody yes. else. Well, I feel like her yes. and Nancy are in two different movies and everyone else is in their the like more naturalistic movie because Nancy's just like right. very airy. 
or she's really whiny and she's like i just don't understand mom i can't go to sleep also you why are you that. watching horror movies <laughs> while trying to stay awake yes i mean yes I, I feel like Tina, Rod, and Nancy's dad, who I think is played by John Saxton, I think is what's the name. Um, yeah, I yeah. think those three understood the assignment, but I feel like everybody else heard Wes say, we're going to do something campy, and they all were like, I know what that means, and none of them knew what it meant. So they all just did stuff. <laughs> right. Nancy also I, goes from like, this is granted, this is also when she's very sleep deprived, so maybe this is accurate, but she goes from like zero to ten a lot of times. She's like, what am I telling you? I can't sleep. I'm like, I mean, wow. sleep deprivation is real. So, <laughs> and it's, I'll give her that one. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll give her that. <laughs> okay, here. I mean, I, she got a I'm very stick. inspired. I'm very inspired though by perhaps my favorite thing about Nancy is her ingenuity of keeping a coffee pot <laughs> hidden under her bed, like. I need, yeah. I need that energy so, in my life. I, I need to think outside the so box like that. so drunk to not notice the smell of a fresh pot of coffee. <laughs> I mean, this was Folgers. This was the 80s. This was like before coffee. I don't know. Folgers just, like, always told that. me it smelled. You should hear it dripping now. At the grocery store. Right? But I just look at her mom picking out like four coffee pots and we're not talking about it. And then another one picks out the bed. And I'm well, just she, like, where's my outlet? She takes out Nancy's trash and it's just full of <laughs> coffee right. grounds. She's like, what is happening? Where's my martini? <laughs> right? Like, that won't get you straight from the bottle. She's not even got time for glasses. She's like, give me the vodka. Well, she pulls her, like, she's her comforter. The bottle pulls her comforter is the one that sends me every time. Because the hall closet, I'm like, that's cute. Um, on the counter, casually, that's cute. But from under the comforter, well, she's like, and you it, know what, Nancy? It's Nancy has the crucifix, or Tina was it Nancy or Tina who has the crucifix, right? Like the the yes, crucifix Tina, is like Tina. the stuffed animal. Nancy's mom, the bottle of alcohol is the stuffed animal, like the comfort thing, right? Like they they all have really bizarre choices yeah, for nice. what is comforting in that like snuggle up for sleep kind of sense. What? Yeah, like Johnny Depp Glenn watching TV down. and listening. At the music at the same time is a great way to fall asleep. I, again, I don't know how you go to sleep with music in. Maybe I am an old and I've forgotten the way. But like, if I have to have music <laughs> on, I'm gonna be awake. I'm like, oh no! But he was like, I've been told right? to stay awake. I don't listen to women. Good night. And I'm like, good sir. <laughs> Which, like, to Nancy's credit, she sets an alarm because she knows he's not trustworthy. Right, like. She knows enough to know that nobody's actually trustworthy, especially not the men. I'm happy she never slept with him because he was definitely like, let's get it. She's like, no, you can sleep on the couch. Because again, if you won't stay awake for her, you don't deserve her. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Jesus in the yep. garden gets him. Yeah, there we go. There yep. we go. Thank I love. I just uh, love the whole aesthetic of Johnny Depp's death scene because it's like, hey, okay, he's in his little prop top, not complaining. Um, he has his headphones in, but he also has his tiny little TV thing that he's like watching in bed with him. And isn't it like a waterbed too? That would explain it, but oh Freddie made it a waterbed. Freddie made it a waterbed, <laughs> but it was originally a real bed. <laughs> I think I made that mix up with um, 
four. Anyway, um, yeah. Sheree and Pace, y'all get that reference. But um, <laughs> the water bed. But um, and then and like and so everything is like very eighties, of course. But then when and then he sucked into this bed mattress by this very thirsty Freddy Krueger, and just. I wouldn't. I don't even. I, did they say in the how uh, films that made us how many gallons of blood that is? Was, okay, it is. So, so it was a ton of blood. blood. It was a ton of blood, and they had like the room was like a rotatable room because it was the room that they used when Tina died, so that she could be like she could look like she was possessed and all that stuff, and they it just kept like pumping in right, and then. I think it was, like, when the doors open or something, like, you could see the walls, like, bulging because of the weight of the liquid, and then they'd try and rotate it, and it would, like, slosh, and then they opened it, and it just, like, poured out. Oh, God. Art. So Art. much blood. And then I love the scene, I think it's a later scene after he's there, after the cops are there and everything, the blood yep. is, like, seeping through the ceiling and the bottom, the bottom floor, I'm like... God damn. Right? Freddie has fucked every house in this neighborhood up. Listen, like, after the kids start on the houses, and he's just never gonna yeah. stop. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I always am impressed by is when I revisit this movie, I see more and more references that will come up and scream. Because, um, like, there's so many things that it's like, is this, oh my god. <laughs> Because even, like, the, the original trilogy of Scream, I feel, bites a lot from Nightmare on Elm Street. Because, like, even Tina being dragged around the school in the body bag, that's definitely Sydney's mom in three. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And so many other things. I'm just like, this is that, but with Ghostface now. And it just, it makes me happy because, like, I love to see a director that's engaged. And he was like, you know what they like? This. Y'all gonna give them this. And I'm like, thank you. No, me the other, so this came up with, I think Pace and I were talking about this when we watched the movie, but the prayer before bed, I used to pray that prayer. Like, that's like, I I did not grow up in a household that prayed a lot or that prayed extemporaneously. So, like, we had, like, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take was, like, the prayer besides one in a language that I do not actually speak but have ancestry for um and that I always liked that prayer there's like an alternate ending for people that are like oh we can't talk about death I always liked it because it was like a realistic prayer like I might not like we're not guaranteed to wake up in the morning so it makes sense but Pace had a different experience with that prayer well, probably because of this damn movie, like, getting introduced to this movie so young. Like, when it says, um, or if I die before I wake, like, I thought I was going to be the next Tina and die before I wake. <laughs> like, every time I prayed that prayer, like, that's what I was thinking. It's like, am I going to die now? Is that what I'm, I'm, am I sealing my fate by saying these words? See, that's how, that's why, you know, I said this before we started recording, but, like, when I was a kid, I always had to have my reasons why it couldn't happen to me. And so, even if I said that prayer, I'd be like, well, I don't live on Elm Street, so I'm safe for this one. <laughs> no, I was always a Right, you were always sending Freddie to other people. <laughs> oh, 
Right? <laughs> you were like, Freddie, I know I'm good, but you know who would be better for you to do this to? Right. Fred down the street. <laughs> you know what it is, I got names. I got names, Freddie. <laughs> what? <laughs> Reverse Santa Claus. Making a list. Check me twice. Send it to Freddie. <laughs> well, I, I really shouldn't make... See, the problem with you not having seen this franchise is that now I feel like I can't reference future you entries. You can, you can. It's okay. Because, it's because like, literally Heather Langenkamp, as Heather, wait till you experience that, Emily, um, says... It is. Um, but says says to the nurse, like, or to the doctor, I think, um, Freddy's like Santa Claus. Every kid knows him. So, like... Well, looky. There you go. It's true. I like there. when I You're make references there. and I don't even know that they're real. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you're picking up already on the cultural phenomena of Freddy. Yeah. It's, also, it's the, like, red and, green, the red and green stripes. You know, it yeah. gives off a Santa Claus kind of Christmassy. Why I think this movie tells is exactly Freddie's guilty of all the things that people don't talk about. Because the Santa Claus of it all yeah. in that sweater. Um, again, like the haunting of children because they're 15 year olds, supposedly. Um, <laughs> 15 year olds, supposedly. Um, and he's talking to them and not the parents who like, I would go straight to the source and be like, you burned me. And he's like, I'm gonna find your kids. Which like legit, probably <laughs> more torturous for the parents in many ways. It's got a Hunger Games feel to it. Yeah. Right? Right? And I, I don't know why we don't give Freddy that part of the story, which mm-hmm. is just so obviously there. Um, I, I don't know. Because again, when the remake was like, it is what it is, we're not going to like baby step around it for a couple of moments. We're going to be like, he did it. They were like, no. It wasn't ambiguous. ambiguous. Like, is it ambiguous? Or do you I don't know this franchise analysis? at all. It wasn't <laughs> ambiguous. He right? definitely messed with, like, the, with the kids. People like to misremember things. Right? Because again, she says he killed 20. She doesn't say anything else. And we know that Nancy's mom doesn't give her a full mm-hmm. story ever. Um, <laughs> and the way she says it, too, is she's like, yeah, he killed 20 kids. It, right? Uh, drinks, anyone? <laughs> it was very much like, which script are we using when today? The, okay. the adultification that happens with <laughs> especially girls, right? Where, like, I mean, we've seen this in the news with all of these different folks coming out and being caught and mm-hmm. prosecuted all of this stuff um, around sexual assault and especially now that you know bodily autonomy is restricted that people are like oh yeah but it's like incest or it's like cont- it's not consensual if you're a minor like it is automatically rape yeah. if you are a minor it's not young women it's girls That's my thing, and that's why I hate the phrase. That's why I hate the phrase "non-consensual sex" because yeah. if it's non-consensual, it's not sex. Sex implies people consented on both halves, and that's one of my issues with a lot of horror movies, and it's part of most of my rant on most of my podcasts. Is that people will insert a rape scene? They're like, we need to have some sexiness, and like that's not sexy. That's you're you're saying a lot about yourself mm-hmm. as a filmmaker and a person. 
But that does not negate sex. You want a sex scene, have a sex scene. Don't be like, oh, well, we'll just assault yeah. her real quick. And that's not, it's not cute. It's not the moment. Um, and so I, I, I just want to sit down with a lot of filmmakers and be like, who hurt you? Is your mother still with us? Can you bring her into this call? Yeah. Well, and like, there was a time in the evolution of terminology, right, where talking about consensual sex was important and to a certain extent like obviously it still is and like I have a shirt from college that says I heart consensual sex right like but it is this like we should be so much farther past that conversation we shouldn't need to still be having the conversation about sex is only sex when it is consensual if it's not consensual it's not sex we keep getting stuck in things that people who yep. have all the privilege don't want to talk about. Um, so we can't talk about what is consensual and what is not consensual. We can't talk about why we are still not addressing fucking mm-hmm. basic <laughs> issues. Um, how many of these tropes have been going on since movies started? And how many will continue going on? We are still getting movies with all white yeah. cast in the year 2022. We are still getting magical Negroes. We are still getting like, she must be a servant because she's here and she's black. If she's here, um, we're still dying for good movies. Women are still there just to be naked. And I'm just like, she ain't a prop. She has an Oscar. Can you not yeah. give her a couple lines at least? <laughs> so it's just, I sometimes I guess want to like unplug Hollywood yeah. and then plug her back up. Right. Well, and, and like Netflix is doing this to all <laughs> these shows, right? Like First Kill. It's a fantastic show. It's really cute. It's too lesbian vampire teenagers well one's a vampire one's a vampire hunter right like it's this great show and they canceled it after the first season right like they just keep canceling they'll put a show on a queer show on for a season which now seasons are like way shorter than they used to be and then they cancel it after a season or they cancel it after three seasons if right like hentified canceled after three seasons like Vita no I hate that because it's just like oh you called us out let's address it for one season um it's like theater because theater was very much 2020 they were like black lives matter we care we're doing better we have actionable items they would give you like a year of programming all virtual with black play rights and then they were like backyard Shakespeare (laughs) (laughs) haha JK and I'm like fuck you all I'm leaving theater. <laughs> I can't. I can have one foot in theater and one foot in Hollywood and be disrespected by both. So I'm gonna like. <laughs> I'm gonna try to step over here where I'll at least be paid for my like suffering. Yeah. Like, well, that's so, like. Yeah. I mean the the mem- the collective memory and the collective persistence of things like defund police, abolish police, and there was like this push for it, and there was potential for it, and then capitalism said no we have to get people back to work they have too much time to think critically and now no like yep. funding has not been cut at all it's been increased no. no um some of the some of the ones who should be fired for things they've done recently are back at work because they're just like mm-hmm. and i want people to approach things that matter with the same energy they approached if Harry Styles spit on Chris Pine. I want that kind of energy <laughs> for things that actually fucking matter. 
um, Roe versus Wade, and the mm-hmm. Supreme Court, student loans. Put those fingers to those tweets <laughs> for that. Um, but no, we're just like, oh no, I think he spit on him, and I'm like, so what if he did? I, the, the, I don't, I don't know why he would do that in public, but like that's between them. I don't know relationship. However, <laughs> <laughs> I do know it my student loans are large. If he could spit on those, so you would care, that'd be great. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm also tired, it's, and it's interesting because with I'm tired of this trope, and it's usually put forward by you guessed it, the Christian conservatives, that queer people are innately pedophiles, and um, that you know, trans right. women right. are going to be. Yeah targeting little girls in the bathrooms or like all this bullshit and then like it is kind of interesting to tie it back to Freddie who is a fairly bisexual character or what you know it's never really stated mm-hmm. what his sexuality was does it matter uh, he's a pedophile uh, but like um and so it, yeah it does kind of tie back to this evil queerness kind of situation which I don't love yeah. but I also I mean queer villains have always been queer coded but but it is this right like the the groomer language about trans people that is part of why there's so much anti-trans legislation in states right now at the same time and this has been like my particular like corner of twitter is very carefully cultivated right so I don't get a lot of stuff but I get certain things and it's the the same groups of people that are like no they're groomer like trans people queer people are groomers are the people who the youth group leader marries the youth group member after she graduates from high school mm-hmm. they waited like, you right. cannot tell me right. that that is not grooming, because like, that is. Plus, like, all of the public cases of grooming mm-hmm. that we see with celebrities, it's cis men, Drake and Millie Bobby Brown. Um, <laughs> most of the people here we Duff dated when she was 16, so forth and so forth and so forth. I, what sends me about, specifically the anti-trans legislation, is that, like, you just know it's cis men who don't want to believe that they are the biggest threat. Because, like, that's what I'm afraid of. When mm-hmm. I see cis men walking around, I'm afraid of them. I'm not I'm like, ooh, this girl with the cute shoes might be in my bathroom. I don't care if she is. I care about Chuck. I care what Chuck is doing and what him and his friends are saying. And I care that nobody's going to check them if they do what I think they're going to do. Um, I, I care that I have to intervene on the other girl's behalf and it might end badly for both of us. Um, but instead of us talking about that, it's like, queer people. I'm like, fuck that. Um, we need to let's legislate Chuck. Let's legislate that. He needs a vasectomy. He needs he needs to have like a little yeah. chip so we know where he is at all times. Cause like <laughs> he's got how many strikes now? But yeah, those are my fun tidbits out of this conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. Well, and it and it happened. I mean, it happened a little bit in this episode too, right? The Rod makes the connection, right? Fruitcake, queer murder. That's his case. Pace pointed it out. And I 
missed that line in the movie when we were watching it, but it's it's always a thing. It, it made yeah, and it made me sad because this is my first time watching it since Stranger Things, and so I was like, oh, Rod and Eddie have the same journey. And he said that I'm like, no, Eddie was actually a little bit into some of these. Um, <laughs> I don't think Eddie would have said anything so offensive. But now I'm just like, how many of the times I've seen this trope of the outsider with the black leather jacket? Being the outcast who's like unjustly murdered because people didn't believe in him and nobody believed him. And so now I'm I'm having thoughts and then write an article or something about that later in life. As I, I would read that thoughts. article. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this movie revolutionized horror because at the time, horror was definitely in a downward slump um, in sales and popularity yeah. and even, even so well. Critics never love horror, but whatever. <laughs> um, I don't listen to them half the time. But like, and then this movie came out and it really showed the how inventive horror can be and how... Um, interesting and how you could take tropes and kind of turn them on its head and do things a little differently and Wes kind of did that throughout his career he did it with this he did it with Scream he did it you know um and you and you could definitely tell like just like in the 90s the post Scream horror movies were very much influenced by Scream just like this the 80s horror films were very much influenced by mm-hmm. A Nightmare on Elm Street you know I I just love that every decade there's like a massive reset for horror because the 70s it was Halloween which is super late in the decade but still it was the one where it's like we care again yay and then you get to the (laughs) 80s and Wes is like Nightmare on Elm Street and we're like we care again yay and then like the 90s Wes is like I'm gonna do it again scream and it's like oh my god we're doing it again so every like every 10 years roughly that somebody stepped out of the chorus and was like we can do this better (laughs) <laughs> no more copycats. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. I think we got through most of our uh, deep dive stuff, but is there anything that we haven't covered yet that you want to make sure we get in? This has to do with dreams. And I, I imagine we'll get more into it in later episodes, but the the space of like the role of dreams and nightmares especially shared nightmares and it's this trippy um it's this trippy thing right because it's shared nightmares and we're living in them and it's hard to tell what is dream and what is nightmare and also that is our context in the world today that we have these shared nightmares happening like collective nightmares and the ways that people respond to them and either like dismiss them entirely or are paralyzed by them and just are like uh I don't know what to do about my clothes being ripped weird I don't know or set home alone traps before home alone was a thing and catch the thing and you know (laughs) save everyone Home Alone stole it from Nancy. Let's just be real. <laughs> Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> I, <laughs> n- but yeah, no. 
I I love that because very much that. I also would I would also pay good money to see a dream interpreter go through these movies mm. and talk about each of these dreams. Because <laughs> I don't I as far as I can tell, it's never been done. But I know that those people are out there, and I know that some of them are really good at what they do. And I would love to see what they if the people behind these movies were actually like paying attention if they did the things. If it was just like we're making horror movies because where's this going with the new sequels? <laughs> Um, because right. that could be very spicy to be like, what are these dreams yeah. doing these characters if they had paid you to? Right, and I will say, as y'all move through this franchise, the dreams just get trippier and trippier. There's a video game one at one point. There mm-hmm. is, yeah, it, it, it gets. <laughs> I felt so high for so many of these movies, and I was not high as a child. <laughs> I was just like, is this drugs? I don't want drugs. And then like, this is a movie. What? <laughs> Yeah, especially with that, I like that you said joint dreams because like that is really hit on in like three and four, like three moving forward. There's a lot of mm-hmm. like, now I'm in your dream, and now I'm in your dream, and now we're gonna be in this dream, and now we're gonna get to this dream because yeah. we gotta save yeah. this person and this other dream. I my my <laughs> prediction, if there ever is a like dream interpreter who comes in and does and covers the movies. My prediction is that um, they did not intentionally choose like this imagery, this, that, the other thing. And they subconsciously included particular things that the dream interpreter will like touch on that people didn't even realize they had put in the movie. That's what I think is going to happen. Yes. Like of of themselves? That'd be like. Yes, I think it'd be spicy. Yeah. I think it would be so spicy. Um, but also, it makes me want to like make sure I hire a dream interpreter if I was right about dreams because I'm just like, we need to make sure that this was all going to line up with yeah. people like me get nosy later in life. Oh. No, you don't want to give, up, you don't give out your secrets, Sheree. Right? A dream like, interpreter to watch Sheree's work and be like, well, Sheree mm-hmm. was dealing with some of this and some right. of that. No, like, the other day, my TikTok video, I said something very Freudian, and like two different people was like, did you just say that? And I was like, I, it was before I was awake and I did not know I overshared um, what I really wanted that day. So thank you for catching that. Um, and leave me alone. Look. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's true. That's, as we've been watching Angel and Buffy, like knowing more about Joss Whedon, it's like, oh, I, I see. I see how shitty this is. Like, I, I, I have, see how problematic your perspective is in how you are treating women in this TV show that is made up. I, I'm afraid to go back in because I've not gone back in since, like, he did his villain tour because he was like, I know you're talking about me. Let me confirm it all. And I'm like, why? <laughs> we already knew. Like, <laughs> and so, like, I, I just have to make really marathon because it hurts too much. But, like, I want to go back in for, because it's going to be an amazing article, um, whatever I do with that. And I just want to be like, yep. he was there the yeah. whole time. There, there are some episodes where it's not obvious, yeah, and there are some would. episodes where it is glaringly obvious. Like, just sitting here thinking about it, I can see season one and season four specifically being Oogie, knowing what I know about him now. Yeah. And then, of course, like, <laughs> season five and forward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he pulled a J.K. Rowling when it's like, 
I feel like it kind of gave you a hint, but I'm going to keep reminding you. Hey, by the way, did you forget That's that when I you said, like, he gave his villain to her. I was like, that's literally what James Ellington did in 2020. It was like, hey, you have been talking <laughs> right. about these rumors. Let me just hardcore confirm and then double and triple down. Right. right. And now she's like, did y'all forget about Here's a book. This is just how shit. Here's a whole book about it. <laughs> She was like, y'all might not know about me. <laughs> Froze up indoor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In case there's new fans, oh, I just want you to know yeah. who you're dealing with. Like, <laughs> right. In case you were starting to enjoy yourself again, here's right. a reminder why you can't. <laughs> right. Somebody brought five of my books to the point of Neville last week, mm-hmm. so I should remind you who I am. <laughs> people. Oh, people. I don't think I have anything else that I need to discuss. Did you have anything else, Chris? I think I'm good. I, we have another, That's what, fair. nine films, ten? There's ten total. So nine films to get into it. So we'll don't worry, that. friends. Yeah. We're going to unpack a lot more. <laughs> Lots yeah. of Freddy, mm-hmm. to, Freddy to discuss. <laughs> right, right. Um, the only other thing, though, is a uh, quick just follow-up that I just I remembered is we we started this season with a little weird dream kind of theme. So our first episode was Doctor Strange yeah. in the Multiverse of Madness. And the level of like dreams apparently, if you have a dream, it's apparently something that's actually happening in another world reality right now. Ooh. And then watching this movie Ooh. where what happens in dreams happens in real yeah. life back to back is like, holy cow, this is an unintended little dream. Yeah, segment and then there's like some dreams and visions in Children of the Corn too. And about Dora, oh, yeah. which was the next one we did. He who walks yeah. in the rose. Mm-hmm. He who walks indeed. That's why I don't do corn or children. <laughs> I uh, made corn last night after we finished recording the episode. I made corn on the cob. <laughs> It was delightful. Old Bay on Corn on the Cob is amazing. I had no idea. Oh, Baltimore. It's true. It's Old true. Bay anything. Old There's an ice cream place yeah. that makes Old Bay caramel ice cream. And it's not bad. On my way. I am on my way. Um... <laughs> I'm over seesaw caramel. I want Old Bay caramel or nothing. That's what we're negotiating. Come visit. I'll take it. I love it. Thank you. (laughs) That's fun. I'll let you make the transition, Emily. Speaking of of things that we highly rate, like ice cream and corn on the cob, it's time to rate our film. Um, this season we are rating them out of 10 nightmares. So how would you rate this? How would you rate Nightmare on Elm Street, the 1984 movie, out of 10 nightmares? I would give it 10 nightmares. Um, but again, like it was my daycare, so I'm biased. Can I be trusted? What? That's fair, that's fair. Um, 
I'm gonna give it eight nightmares. Because I just Tina's dead and I can't handle this for an hour and a half. Okay. <laughs> I love you, Heather Lane Cat. Please don't hate me. What? You think I take her death seriously? Screw <laughs> your hall pass. Oh my gosh. What? Screw your hall pass. <laughs> it's the class for me while she says it. Screw your hall pass. What? Yeah. Tina. <laughs> Tina? Next time I watch this movie, I'm gonna play a drinking game. Every time Heather Lancamp <laughs> says Tina, I'm gonna take a drink. No, no, you wanna do Lost Boys? I'm gonna say Michael. That's what you want. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like 80 something times. That's a lot. Uh, <laughs> it's a whole bottle of something. Um, <laughs> uh, I would rate this 9.5 out of 10 nightmares. It raised me. Same. And also, it still holds up. The only scene that really looks its age is the weird arm marionette things after Tina. That I can never get through that scene without just being totally taken out of it. But anyway, 9.5 out of 10 nightmares. <laughs> it used to be so cool. And I'm like, oh. And he just starts writing and it's weird. I'm like, oh. Oh, but yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. what it used to be. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I will also give it an 8 out of 10 nightmares. It's I never rate the films until after we've like done the episode because there's always like I'm always changed by the conversation that happens around it and this was a fantastic conversation and so I'm like okay okay like still we're gonna take it down a little bit because that bathtub scene I just can't but 8 out of 10 it's solid. <laughs> I, I just don't for, think about it. I like intentionally I'm like, I'm not gonna think about it. I'm not no. gonna like <laughs> Yeah. The 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 one special part that we're doing in this season is how many times I jumped during the movie. Um I only had one big jump from this movie, but it was big when he like came up from the other side of the bed. I huge yeah. jump. Very noticeable for anyone who was watching with me. <laughs> I think that's the only actual jump scare. Because Freddy, for the most part, is like, mm. hi, you see me, I need attention. And then that one, he's right. like, mm, yes. I'm here yes. <laughs> It's like, whoa. Like, I think <laughs> when he stuck his tongue out of the phone, I like, I didn't have a jump jump, but it was like a visceral reaction to like a tongue. Gross. Um. <laughs> also, favorite kills. How many of us have Glenn has oh. Johnny Depp as our favorite kill? Trent and I do. Yes. <laughs> I was about to say this is not a visual medium, so I raise my hand. Anybody get sucked into a mattress and then buckets of gallons of gallons upon hundreds of yeah. gallons of blood spurting out? It's a good death. Like, I think that these are two of the most iconic deaths of the franchise. But yeah. Tina's, Tina's yeah. is high art. Like, I, again, as a baby, I didn't know all the tropes and things yet. And so seeing this girl, we start the movie with, so you're like, oh, I thought she was going to be the lead. Get thrown around her ceiling by Freddy while her boyfriend is screaming and crying in the corner, <laughs> turning on lamps like that's going to do anything. <laughs> 
And then she's acting. She is acting. I I would not be so cool if I was being slammed against ceilings mm-hmm. and dragged around walls with blood and prosthetics. I would not be as calm as she was trying to be while being Right, murdered. she's like, like so still like, sleeping <laughs> Give her all the things. Right? They she had to like, bolt all of the furniture and everything in that room down because it was the rotating room and that's how she got like spun around and flung around that like to make it look like she was on the ceiling and stuff. And so like I I would be fascinated to watch like the filming of the filming of that scene. I think that in the last couple years I can find parts where she's like you can tell she's like dragging herself across a little bit, but even then it doesn't seem supernatural to pull me out. I'm just like, I've seen this nine billion times. I can see that muscle <laughs> in your arm as you're sort of army crawling. But I mean, I'd it. rather, like, yeah, I'd rather have like, her arm like girl. slowly pulling her than like on the bridge. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Mother, like we're to the girl's exercise. Such a drag mom, and it's like Nancy. Like I, she was just so uncomfortable, and I'm happy that she got more comfortable on camera because I think that she's a lovely person and has grown to a much better actor, yeah. much better. So actor. who were Pace and Sheree? Who were your favorite kills? Well, we both Tina. Well, well, okay, I didn't. Yeah, both Tina. I didn't yeah. remember Pace's. Thing. Yeah, no, because yeah, like Tina. I. Rod happened and it was fine, but like it's sandwiched between two iconic kills. And again, I when I think of this franchise, I think about all the kills, even the ones that like sit with me, like the pizza incident and the video game incident. They're not second (laughs) to these two, like Glenn and Tina one. Yeah. Um. (laughs) Yeah. Glenn and Tina. I like that we split evenly between Glenn and Tina. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. Well, thank you both again so much. This has been such a great pleasure to have you all on our podcast for once um, mm-hmm. and getting to meet you all and all this great stuff. Uh, where can our guests, uh, where can our guests, where can our listeners find our two lovely guests and also uh, Nightmare on Fear Street? <laughs> um, you can find a Nightmare on Fear Street on Twitter at Nightmare Fears. Or Instagram and a nightmare on Fear Street. We're very active on both. And you can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts at, except for like one place we had to break up with. Um, but it's fine. It wasn't that popular. Uh, and you can find, <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me and my own shenanigans on Twitter and Insta at Miss Sheree. Um, it's Miss Sheree, all one word, three S's. It gets confusing <laughs> when I misspell it myself. So don't feel bad. But <laughs> that's how you can find me. <laughs> It's Miss Sheree. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Trent Reese 5. It's T R E N T R E E S E, like the candy, 5. And on Instagram, T Reese 0508. Awesome. Is there any um, upcoming events or prod- projects or anything Nightmare Free Street is gained to that you all want to promo? Actually, um, this episode will be dropping the same week, actually the same day Ooh. I believe that we start our fifth nice. season. Um, so yeah, we're <laughs> an old podcast now. 
We're almost old enough to see these movies that we're covering. <laughs> I mean, based on what right? you all have said, you're it definitely is. old enough to have seen Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, in our uh, season five opener, we're doing like classic mm. 70s horror, so. Yeah, like we're kicking it off with mm. Blackula. Um, and we have a very oh. special guest, Chris Love, who, if you don't follow her on Twitter, you should. She's very active in Arizona politics because Arizona needs her. <laughs> <laughs> and so. <laughs> Um, and she's always a great time, so definitely check out that episode and follow her. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. And as we've mentioned already, our next episode is covering Children of the Corn from 1984, and you get to hear about a study abroad experience of mine that connects to this. So it's going to be great. I can only tell you because we already recorded it. And it's it's wild that these two movies were both low budget movies that came out in the same year and yet the quality of this movie over that weird like hand-drawn I animation love Isaac's demon fire fiction it's great <laughs> that was my oh my gosh <laughs> I, back in the 80s people would pick up a Stephen King book and they'd be like I'm gonna adapt it and just tap out they're like it's too fantastical <laughs> It's too fantastical. Have you seen the Lindaliers? Yeah. I was just telling you the about that. Is so that was my burnt pop. It's not supposed to be. Oh, but they were like, mm, he's asking for too much. <laughs> we're gonna do this instead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for being our guests on this episode of our podcast, Trent and Sheree. It was fantastic to have you on. Um and that is it for our show. Our theme music was by Matt Warfield May. Horror Nerds at Church releases every Thursday. Please comment, rate, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Support us on Patreon and get access to exclusive movie commentary episodes, BooTube episodes, and more bonus content by going to patreon.com slash Church. It's only $5 to sign up, cheaper than Freddy's fancy manicure. <laughs> Follow us on social media, Facebook and Instagram at Horror Nerds at Church, and Twitter at HNACpod for all the latest updates about upcoming films, news, and other announcements, including pet contests. Until next time! Don't fall asleep or else. Bring your caffeine pills. The stay away. Right. <laughs> the stay five coffee pots five in coffee your pot. room. The five coffee pots. <laughs>